be uh, turning in your Bible or device to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, as we consider the comforting aspect of our God this morning. I'm reminded this is the time of year Jimmy Kimmel always uh, tells parents, go ahead and get geared up for Halloween that's coming. If you've watched any of his YouTube videos, he's been doing this for the last seven or eight years, asking parents the day after Halloween to hide all the candy while your kids sleep. And then when they wake up, tell them you ate the candy. And video their response and send it in, and he's been posting this. And it's supposed to be funny. It's humorous because, um, you know, it's candy. And so older folks just laugh at, you know, it's, it's, it really shouldn't be a big deal. But when you watch kids who've just lost all their candy, told that they've lost it by the people they trust the most, you know, hey, you know, little Johnny, uh, I got hungry while you were sleeping and I ate all your candy. And Johnny says, no! You know, he screams. He says, I worked hard for that candy. I just had one piece. Mommy, I can't believe you ate my candy. Spit it out of your tummy right now. You know, and they go on and on. And as I listen to watch some of those videos, I think, yeah, it's funny. But it's also painful. And grief hits us at that age, too. From the youngest to the oldest in this room, none of us are without the experience of pain and grief. Some of us from losing our candy. Some of us from losing life of someone we love, like in this hurricane, or all of our property and possessions. Some of us here are going through physical afflictions, and the doctors have no cure. And you know you are afflicted with this as long as you are on this earth. Some of you have the grief of marriage struggles and pains, some uh, sexual sins and afflictions that plague you, and you're, you're grieved about it. Some of you are very lonely and wish there were a friend in the storm that could be there with you and through it. We all have afflictions, and it's like a pit. It's a pit of grief. Some of us, sure, the pit is deeper and worse than others. But all of us have pain and affliction. And I can't think of any passage in Scripture that speaks to God's comfort more than this Second Corinthians passage because it mentions in these short verses comfort ten times so let me read it for you second corinthians chapter 10 uh chapter one excuse me verses three through seven and see these ten times god brings us comfort what a precious commodity god's comfort is verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any way 
any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. I want us to think about comfort. You just can't read that passage and not say, oh, well, the comfort's the, the main thing. He just continues to talk about it. First, first step we need to do when we're in grief and pain, we need to acknowledge God is the source of all our comfort and that God is bringing to us comfort. Now, some of you will say quickly, yeah, that's easy if you're going through what you're going through, but you're not going through what I'm going through. And we sometimes think the deeper the pit of grief, the less responsibility we have to acknowledge comfort. I want us to think about that a minute. There, there's a responsibility we have, regardless of our pain, to acknowledge God and his comfort. The Apostle Paul does that here no stronger than in verse 3. Blessed, I mean, doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort. That's his acknowledgement. We, we need to be there with him. Now, don't think in, in any sense that Paul didn't experience pain, that he didn't experience grief, that this was easy for him to do and say. Let me give you, there's a number of summaries in the scripture, but I'll just give you one of them. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So just go over a few chapters if you're in this book with me. 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23, Paul's comparing his life to some others that have been criticizing him here, and he says, verse 23 of chapter 11, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. I'm more a servant of Christ. And he gives a description. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Stop a minute. He's talking about suffering because of Christ. He says, have any of you suffered like me? I have been, while preaching, drugged out of town and stoned. I've been beaten and stoned and literally left for dead. He says, I've been beaten so many times, I quit keeping count. I've been hit so many times, literal lashes with whips just for preaching. He says, I've been in prison for it. He goes on, verse 24, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Now, you know, they stopped at 39 because they really felt that was the bubble. You know, if you, you went to 40 or 41 or 42, you literally would probably kill the person. So the, the lashes were, were timed out to, to give you the, ma the maximum sentence was 39, and that was 
is all they could give you short of death. He says, I've had that. Not, not once, not twice, five times. They've done that, literally, to me. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. It's like the whips weren't enough. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Do you see how that just comes out of Paul. It's not in that text. It's in chapter 1 of this passage. He says, I know what pain is. I know it at the, the most intense level. Not only physical pain. But I know this, this inner spiritual mothering, fathering pain of watching my kids go into the deepest areas. And it just grieves me. And yet, though I've been through all of that, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Paul stops to break forth in doxology. Paul gives God his due. He praises him for being the God of all comfort. And I think there's something, that, some way we've got to get there. It's our responsibility to acknowledge God is the source of our comfort. In other words, what you need to do to fix your situation, you know, you need to eat different food, you need to exercise, you need to quit hanging around with certain folks. We always come up with that, don't we? Paul doesn't suggest those as options. You want comfort in your affliction he didn't say change your diet, change your exercise, change the people. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need help. He is the Father of mercy. He is the God of all comfort. Our go-to in time of pain and affliction is God. Um, we sometimes complain about the stuff around us rather than praising the God who can supply our every need. Um, we've uh, worked through this uh, in, in our family where you woke up and the first thing you asked somebody was, how'd you sleep? Does anybody still do that? I, I'm seeing hundreds of hands go up. I'm sorry, y'all Y'all need to work through that, okay? We, we've done that for, seemed like a hundred years. How'd you sleep? You know, and we would joke about it. Wasn't my eyes closed? You know, how'd you sleep? And it's like you're begging people to grumble and complain. You know, well, I didn't sleep too good. I only slept a few hours. I 
tossed and turned, woke up, couldn't go back to sleep. It's like we're, we're begging for complaints. How'd you sleep? You know, you know the biblical answer to that? God, Psalm 127 says God gives us grace while we sleep. How'd you sleep? As good as God allows. God is in charge of the sleep. And he is the source of my comfort. But we want to complain about so much instead of acknowledge that in the midst of our pain and grief, God's doing something. He's giving grace. He's perhaps bringing comfort, and we're missing it because we're not focused on him first. Um, when we suffer, think about your relationship with God first. Look down at verse 5 of this passage. It says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. So yeah, I get that you're in pain. I get that you have a lot of pain. I get that you think your pain's greater than my pain. We get that. But do we also get that our comfort is ours in abundance? Comfort is ours in abundance, don't miss the next phrase, through Christ. So Christ is not only the only mediator between us and God, Christ is the mediator of God's comfort. And I get this abundance of comfort through Christ. So if you're not experiencing an abundance of comfort, you need to evaluate your union with Christ because this abundance only comes through Christ. Are you united to Christ? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you turned from sin? I need Christ in my life. I need an abundance of comfort. I can't get that without Christ. It comes through Christ. So we need to evaluate our real condition in Christ. If, if you are experiencing all sorts of pain but never an abundance of suffering, then you need to say, am I united to Christ? Because it's his work to give me an abundance of comfort. So evaluate your union. Say, okay, well, I am, I am saved. I have received Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. Then your prayer is, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me more of you, more of you, more of you. Because I got all of this pain and this grief, I need more of you. And the more of Christ you get through prayer, through worship, through uh, reading your Bibles, the more of Christ you get, the more of his comfort you will get. That's what I mean by this. We, we stop and we acknowledge God is the source of comfort. And we run to him for that comfort, that abundant comfort that is his you know, I, I, I so much wanted my kids to get a sense when they were growing up, when they were young. I wanted them to get a sense of Christ coming to us. And Christ not just being out there somewhere, but that he was real. He took on flesh to be among us. And he's still among us and with us, supplying our needs. 
That's what I'm hoping to communicate here with you. How do you get that as a toddler? So, you know, when your kids are in grief and pain, you grab them up and you find a rocking chair and you rock and you sing, Jesus loves me, you know? And I had sang, Jesus loves me. We started learning three verses of Jesus loves me because you get tired of singing, Jesus loves me. So I wrote another song in our family. We call it the rocking chair song. But the whole purpose behind that song was just to get a sense of Christ really coming to the toddler there in the chair. So I'll try it. Not the best singer. But I want you to, to feel, and, and, and those of you who have a rocking chair, you know, start getting this motion with me, okay? And, and you sense what happens in that chair. Does, does the comfort of Christ come? You pick up your toddler and you say, Come, let us rock in the chair. This is no time to be scared. Let's say a prayer as we hold real tight. Jesus will answer and make all things all right. Jesus, come take all our fear. Jesus, won't you dry all our tears? Jesus, we need you so. Come to us now, bring your love to this rocking chair. Come, let us sing a love song. Jesus' love, it's so strong. He prayed for us, Gethsemane. He died for us, Calvary. He's ever living, our high priest, just praying for us. So Jesus, come take all our fears. Jesus, won't you dry all our tears? Jesus, we need you so. Come to us now, bring your love to this rocking chair. Come, let us rest in Christ's peace. He gives his grace while we sleep. He's heard our prayers. He gives his care. There's no other Savior like him to compare. So Jesus, come take all our fears. Jesus, won't you dry all our tears? Jesus, we need you so. Come to us now, bring your love to this rocking chair. Okay, that's where you clap. Do you know the Holy Spirit's nickname? John 14, 16. Jesus makes this statement. He says, I got to leave you. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. 
and he'll be with you forever. The Greek word for another helper. First of all, stop and think about Jesus. It says, I am here to help you. I'm here to come to your chair right where you sit and to help you. But when I leave and I'm no longer able to come there because I'm there in heaven, I'm going to send you someone who will bring the same help. The Holy Spirit. And the Greek word for Holy Spirit there is, can be easily translated another helper. It's translated one called alongside to help. It's also translated advocate, paraclete. It's translated comforter. The Holy Spirit. Remember his nickname, comforter. Called alongside to sit with you and help you and give you an abundance of help, comfort in the midst of your pain and your affliction. That's our God. We need to acknowledge that he provides an abundance of what we need, regardless of our pain, regardless of the age of that pain. Second, I want you to not only acknowledge God as a Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. But I want you to assume his comfort. I want you to see it. It's, it's seasonable. Tis the, season to, tis the season to be jolly, right? Christmas. When's the season to be comforted? That's just so easy. You got it. Well, I need comfort when I'm in pain. But it's not so easy for some people, apparently. But anyway, let me, let me show it to you. Verse 4 and 5 says, Who comforts us when? In all our afflictions. So the season for it is when we are afflicted. Verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, the comfort is too. So this comfort God's talking about giving us comes to us in the midst of our afflictions in the midst of our suffering and pain some people have a terrible view of God and as a result of that they don't see God comforting in afflictions they don't see the season you it's like not some 90 percent of Americans believe the phrase God helps those who help themselves and they believe that phrase is in the Bible it's not in the Bible it's not a biblical phrase. Use it in the time of your pain, and you're in trouble. If you're in pain and affliction, you say, well, God helps those who help themselves. That means you've got to help yourself. You've got to change your diet and your exercise and your pee, all of this stuff. You've got to do something, and until you do that, you're not going to get any help. Because God only helps those who help themselves. I hate that theology it works out where you know, someone says come here and I'll help you up like dude I can't walk and you say to them come here and I'll help you up that's that's not merciful that's not gracious that's not comforting and yet that's the view of so many people that God only helps you when you get out of your own pain and affliction yourself. Really? 
That's not what the scripture teaches. God gives us an abundance of comfort in our season of pain and affliction. He's the God who brings that. Another view that espouse in churches is if you're in pain, if you're in affliction, it's because you don't have enough faith. Right? Because grief and pain and, and sickness and disease, that's of the devil. That's sinful. And so if you've got it, you just aren't trusting enough. You don't have enough faith. Again, it's a crazy view. Because there's no one who suffered more than Christ, and he did so without sin. You're, there's plenty of times we are in pain, and it's not the result of sin. Sometimes, yes. But there are plenty of times we're in pain, and it's not the result of sin. He mentions one of those here. Verse 5, just as the sufferings of Christ. So there are times when the sufferings of Christ are shared with us. Christ's sufferings may have been because of sin, but they were not sin. He was sinless. And there's times he shares his sufferings with us. And they're not sinful at all. So understand you may be in a tough situation and it's not the result of sin. Even if it were, he's still the God of comfort and mercy. And when you're in pain and affliction, that's the right time to flee to him, to be filled with him, to seek him. You don't have to do anything else first. It's go to Christ. Christ is our need. We need to, to learn to, to run to him. Let me, let me share a few sufferings of Christ and good people in Scripture and, so as you get this. Look at Matthew 26. This is Jesus in Gethsemane. Matthew 26. Verse 38 and 39, then Jesus, then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but just think through that a minute. That was real pain. You know that experience of Christ in Gethsemane. He's saying, my, my soul is experiencing so much grief, so much pain. The weight of the world is literally on my shoulders. That the stress and pressure that he was going through says, you know, ooze out through his pores that it looked like he was, he was sweating drops of blood. That's real pain. That's the sufferings of Christ that are shared with us. There's nothing sinful about them. And yet he's the God of comfort. I mean, there's no one more suited to give comfort to you and to me than, than Christ who is acquainted with grief at such an intense level who was led like a sheep to the slaughter who was stripped and scourged and slaughtered 
who was forsaken by God, lonely, grief-stricken. No one knows our pain like Christ. He knows the pain, and he is the source of our comfort. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, he went through all of these things for Christ, but there's more. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored, implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell uh, with me. And he goes on, I'm content with my weaknesses. I'm content with my pain. The Apostle Paul said, I have an agonizing flesh wound that I am a faith healer. I have been used of God to heal many people. I have prayed the same prayer for myself and asked God to heal me. And God has specifically spoken to me and says, not going to do it. I want you to go through the rest of this life with this flesh wound, this thorn in the flesh. I want you to experience torment. But my grace in the midst of your torment will be sufficient. You will never be forsaken. You will always have enough. I will always be with you. And that's the one who breaks forth in doxology. He says, I'm content with my pain, my weaknesses. God's grace is sufficient. He is the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. We must, I mean, you, you think about him and then uh, Timothy who took over uh, for him 1 Timothy chapter 5, that's the glory of this, this, this passage that we sometimes miss, like, like last week we were talking about with, with alcohol. It's missed here too. 1 Timothy, um, I think that's it, uh, 5.23. says, No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent, don't miss that last word, frequent ailments. Paul has prayed for others to be healed. Why doesn't he just heal Timothy? And he says to Timothy, you're going to have frequent ailments. You're going to have this really the rest of your life. And there are some human things you can do. But get used to it. The sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. But he's also the God of all comfort. And I want us to see that. Sometimes we, we get caught up in this world thinking that God is here only to comfort us and we shouldn't have any afflictions. And yet the same passages that promise God's comfort promise constant afflictions that are not going away. Until we see Jesus face to face. And we need to understand that 
when the tough get going, what? Or when the, when, the, when the world gets tough, you know, we say the tough get going. That's not, again, that's not in the Bible. When life gets tough, the God of all comfort and mercies gives an abundance. Are we seeking Him? Are we united to Him? He says, even if you don't do something, I am your helper, your comforter, who comes to you. Um, that may be the word you really need to hear today. Where your pain is wore you out. And you don't know how you're going to go on. To know you have a God who will go with you. And sustain you. Even in your weak and frail, painful condition. Well... Why does God comfort us? If he's going to do it, I bet he's got a purpose. And he does. And he mentions it in 2 Corinthians. God's purpose for comforting us that keeps him doing it over and over. Verse 4, who comforts us in our affliction so that we, that's a purpose clause. In other words, this is the purpose in all our afflictions so that we, for the purpose of enabling us to comfort those who are in any, some translations, who are in every affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He mentions that in verse 6. He says, if we're afflicted, meaning him, Paul, Timothy, Luke, if we're afflicted, it is for your comfort. He says, we were afflicted for the same purpose, to comfort others. And he mentions it again in verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, you're also sharers of our comfort. Um, I, I went to, I just caught up in the moment uh, with some friends. Somebody had just passed away, a lady's husband. And, you know, I was the pastor, and everybody turned to me to say something smart. And I just said, um, lady, I, I don't know what you're going through. But before I could get anything out, she said, you're exactly right you don't know what I'm going through. And I said, whoa, you know, this pain is deep. And I said, yes, ma'am, that's, that's my point. I said, I have never lost a lifelong companion. I do not know what you're going through. I can only imagine what it's going to be like, what you've just experienced. I've not been there. Says, but there around us, in this room, around us, there are people who have been through what you are going through. They are sharers in your suffering. And they will also be good sharers in God's comfort. And we need to realize that. I, I've got my list of pain. You do too. Everybody in this room, you've got your list. I am not qualified to touch on every um, pain that's going around. But God so knits the family of God together that he gives each of us certain pains, different pains, so that we can comfort those who are going to go through the same pains. 
We have been purposed. We have been sent on a mission. And that mission is to comfort others with the comfort we have received through the afflictions we've gone. When you go through an affliction, you start making your list. This is something I know about. I don't want to know about it exhaustively. But this is something I know about. I've been through it. And so I can sit down and I can put my arm around someone and I can empathize with them because of the afflictions that I've suffered. When I heard this this morning that one of our brothers, I thought I saw him, maybe not, David Bass was afflicted with shingles. Just got it this week. Well, I've been through that two times. So I texted him early just before we came in. I said, oh, man, the pain that people don't know about. Those shooting electric currents, you know, that come with this disease. Sorry. And I'm praying that, you know, you will run to Christ and find the comfort of Christ. It's like, I know what you're going I didn't tell him I'd had shingles. I don't know if he knows that. He didn't have to know. But I know the pain that moves me to want to be engaged and bring comfort, the comfort I have received through that affliction. And you all have been through certain things. And God has taken you through it for that ministry. Now, you say, well, how do I do that? What do I do with that? Well, let me give you one verse real quick. And then I'll give you some quick application and I'll be done. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. That's a requirement, right? We are a family, the family of God. Your responsibility is to bear one another's burdens. You're to be a sharer in people's afflictions. Help them with that pain with that load. Say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to do that. How, how do I do it? Let me just give you some practical ways. First of all, you've got to engage with someone, secure close relationships, fellowship with at least one other person. Get involved in a small group. Get involved in a prayer group. Uh, get in, involved in an online group. But somehow you need to be in a group of people small enough where you can unbear your burdens, you can bear your soul to people and let them do that to you. That's bearing their burdens, sharing their pain. And watch God use that small circle to, to minister comfort to each one. Second, search for unmet needs. Now what we typically do when we meet somebody and see somebody is the exact opposite. You know, if you walk in today and I introduce you, this is a an eye doctor in town, you think, oh, okay, I, I need that. This is a dentist. Oh, I, I need one of those. I, this is a medical doctor. I need one of those. This is a mechanic. Oh, I need one of those. This is, you know, a poor person. I need one of those. This is a wealthy person. I need one of those. I mean, we constantly start thinking, I need, I need, I need, I need. And these people will fulfill my need. And that's not what Corinthians is talking about. He says, no, I want you to start looking at people and see what they need and see what you can give. You have been qualified through pain and affliction to be a giver of comfort. 
And so when you look at people, there should be a sense in which you're looking and saying, what pain has this person been through? What are their needs? Not what are my needs. What are their needs? Because I have been worked upon by heaven with a ministry assignment to give comfort. And this is a person who may need me. Because the whole reason for me being on this earth and going through such pain was so that I could provide, be that instrument of this abundant comfort God wants to provide. So you've got to start looking at people differently. It's not what can people give you, but what comfort can you give them in the midst of this affliction that's so widespread. Everybody has it. I mean, it's, it's great to see that the churches respond to to people who've been afflicted through the floods of hurricanes. That's saying they're people with needs. I know how to meet those needs, so I need to run and help. Well, all of us aren't good at that. But there are other things we are good at. And it's understanding what we've been through is how God is qualifying us for ministry. So three, do that. Three, spend time with people. Uh, you can't minister to them without spending time with them. Say, so, well, what do I do when I spend time with people? I've never spent time with anybody. I don't know how to do that. Okay, got it. Just be empathetic. Just be warm. Just be sensitive. Be a good listener to other people sharing their life, their stories. You don't have to do a lot of talking. Learn to use Scripture. Pray when you read the Bible in the morning. Say, Lord, is there a verse here I can share? Pray for verses that, that you can share. Share the verses God gives. It always works to those that you meet. Seek to point people to trust in God, not you, not the fact that you're there, but that you're there as a vessel for them to trust in God. Um, right after I was uh, getting this, I was still in seminary, and uh, I got a phone call from a lady named Margaret Mangold. Never forget it. Margaret called me up, and she said, I I'm, I'm, I'm distraught. I don't know what to do, and I can't get anybody. That told me I was way down on the list, okay? She can't get anybody, but she got me. And I was thinking through myself as she was talking about all the problems she had. Uh, she had lost her husband. Her husband had died. He was, he was, uh, I was uh, kind of a choir director in our church at that time, and he was in my choir. He passed away. And she thought of calling me. I said, look, I, I'm not the elder. Uh, I might have been a deacon then. I can't remember. Uh, but I'm not the pastor. I'm not the elder. I, I, I've never been through anything like this. I'm not even a neighbor. I lived an hour away. But I was convicted. She's calling me because God's moved her too. And I just hung up the phone and said, Margaret, I'm on the way. I'll be there as soon as I can. I got there. And she was distraught because I didn't... As long as I had known her husband, I never knew he had an invalid brother. And he had to take care of that brother every day, you know, go and bathe him and feed him the whole nine yards. Never knew that. And so when he passed away, Margaret felt like she had to do it all. And she had never done it. She still goes to the brother's house to, who's an invalid so that you have to bathe him and clothe him and feed him. And she had been trying this for two or three days, and she was just, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. 
And I told Margaret, I said, Margaret, I get this. You can't do it. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I said, let's read some scripture and let's pray. And I said, I'm going to pray specifically that this responsibility is taken off your plate. Because you are not gifted to do this. And so I prayed. And I left. This is, you know, back in the days with no cell phone, okay? So I have an hour to go. She tried to time that out. And as soon as I'm coming in the house, the phone rings. And she says, I just want to give all praise and worship to God. And I said, why? What, what's, what's going on? She said, as soon as you left, the phone rang, and a relative from another state said they wanted to take the responsibility of that invalid brother. And I said, oh, God of all mercies, God of all comfort, and you chose to use just an ordinary person like me. Because no one else would show up. As you think about the afflictions you've been through, use them. When you hear of others in like afflictions, because the God of all comfort just wants to bring his help. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you minister to your people and care for us, the way you qualify us, particularly for ministries of comfort and mercy. There's nothing we desire and seek often more than just relief from the pain. Father, use us to be pain takers, to be burden bearers, and to bring the source of all comfort into the room, even Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for the comfort